Good morning. This is Dwayne from Directional Bible Ministries. Today is June the 9th. Hope you are doing well. Uh, beginning today, we're going to start doing a like a 15 minute, no more than 15 minutes each morning around 9 o'clock. Um, working our way through the book of Acts. So uh, the plan is we're just going to you know, work our way through the Acts, through the book of Acts, Monday through Monday through Friday, and then on Sunday mornings, I'm just gonna, um, I guess, summarize it all that we've what we've studied Monday through Friday, if that makes sense. So today will be the first one again, just about 15 minutes, nothing more. Uh, so let's go ahead and look in Acts chapter number number seven, verse number 51. This is where we. We left off last time, Acts 7, verse number 51. He said, um, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and the murderers. Who have received the law of the dispensation by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we love you. I ask that you go before us now. Bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we see this is this is Stephen, his first and last message. And of course, Stephen is doing an absolute accusation against the house of Israel. Uh, he is offering no repentance. Um, Peter, in his first two messages, always culminated with repent and be baptized and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. P Stephen does not get to that point. Peter, I mean Stephen, straight out the gate, is accusing the nation of Israel of killing their Messiah. And he says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, um, they were too being too hard-headed to listen to the truth. And obviously, I think Stephen saw that the crowd was beginning to turn on him, and he knew that the time of invitation had passed. He knew that there was no going, coming back from this. And no doubt, Stephen's choice, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, to use the words stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, brought images to the, the the people that were there. And bear in mind, the people that Peter, the people that Stephen are speaking to at this time are Jews. They are not Gentiles. Their audience was a Jewish audience. And again, this is where the misunderstanding comes in regards to the first several chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, we see it, I've been taught, I've always believed, and I have taught, you know, that this was the birth of the, the body of Christ. Uh, Jew and Gentile coming together as one. Well, find the Gentile. Uh, there's no Gentiles. If there's any Gentiles mentioned, it's in regards to what's called proselytized Gentiles that had already been circumcised, had already converted to Judaism, um, this is for a Jewish audience. And if you look at the words that are coming out of Peter's mouth and the words that are coming out of Stephen's mouth, the king and the kingdom are still on the table. For so many years, I, 
I thought the kingdom was offered in the Gospels and it was rejected when they killed their Messiah. And therefore, Acts 2 was the birth of the church. The gospel had been given to the Gentiles and they had been brought in. That is normative dispensationalism today that's taught in 99.9% of evangelical churches. It is a combination, it is a mixture, if you will, of uh, covenant theology and dispensational theology. Um, and it's, it's wrong. It's, it's an error. I mean, is it heretical? I mean, is it uh, going to send someone to hell? Uh, well, you just have to be careful because when you start mixing a grace gospel with a gospel of works, yes, I mean, it depends on what the person is trusting in. Are they really leaning on their repentance and baptism for salvation? Or are they leaning on by faith and not of works for their salvation? So yes, it's a very dangerous mixture. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in Galatians, and we're going to touch on some of those verses, that it's no gospel at all. When you mix the two, when you mix law with grace, it's no longer grace. I mean, you can put grace with law. You can show grace under the law, but you cannot mix grace with law because it circumvents grace. It's no longer grace. And that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Galatians when he says it's no gospel at all. So he's accusing these guys and no doubt his words uh, pierced. Uh, later on, it'll say they were cut to the heart because in Exodus 32, when it talks about uh, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which brought, thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way, which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. There is no doubt that that Jewish audience knew exactly what Stephen was accusing them of. Uh, and now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them that I may consume them. They knew, you know, not like the average Christian today when you quote something <laughs> and they're not even on the same planet with you. The Jews knew what he was talking about uh, and they knew that he was condemning them. Um, and remember, that's what they accused Peter of. You're trying to you're trying to put this man's blood on us. That's what you're trying to do. And Stephen, bam! I mean, he he just lays it right in their lap. In Exodus thirty three five, for the Lord said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment, and I will consume thee. Um, therefore, put off thy ornaments, that I may know what to do unto thee. So they knew the accusation that Stephen was laying out before them. Uh, again, unlike so many today in the body of Christ, you know, are just so ignorant of the scriptures. And I, you can see it being twisted. Just turn on the news. Um, verses being quoted out of context, having nothing to do with the situation. Um, shocked at how ignorant we are today. Um, I could just go on and on about the social justice movement. Um, the word justice is either you're justified or you're not justified. 
in the Bible. There is no, quote, social justice in the Bible. It's, it's ripping the church apart. And it has swept through campus ministries. It has swept through many Southern Baptist churches. It has swept through many non-denominational churches. Uh, it's cultural Marxism, period. It is fascism. It is saying, you believe the way I believe or I will destroy you. You know, years ago, you know, the fascist, uh, the brown shirts would burn the books because they didn't want freedom of speech and the expression of ideas. Today, we don't burn books. Today, we just suspend their Twitter accounts. We suspend their YouTube accounts and their Facebook accounts. It's the same thing. It's cultural Marxism, and it's dangerous, and it's destroying the church, the body of Christ. Um, many commentators will say that Stephen's entire message was a was entire message was a defense. It was not a defense. It was not an apologetic, if you will. It was an indictment on the nation of Israel from beginning to end. Stephen had done exactly what Peter had done in Acts 5.28. When they told Peter, they said, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? That's what Stephen did. He laid it right in their laps. Also, as Randy White points out, Stephen was not practicing evangelism as we know it in these verses either. This was pure condemnation. He was not giving any good news. It was all bad news. I mean, sure, um, their bad news was our good news, you know, but because after they rejected their king and their, and their kingdom, um, God raised up the Apostle Paul, and he brought the good news to us, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, just like with the passages of, of the messages of Peter, had the nation repented, the kingdom would have come following the seven years of tribulation, or what we call the time of Daniel, uh, Daniel's 70th week, um, or the time of tribulation. There's also another word used in the Bible, Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble still would have had to have been fulfilled. But the clock would have continued ticking. Study Daniel chapter 9. Seventy weeks of the seven are determined for thy people. And during these seventy weeks of seven, 490 years, this is what I'm going to do. Jesus came through the eastern gate in year 483. There was only seven years left. And that, that clock would have just kept right on ticking. And the kingdom would have been restored. But they rejected that. And then I mentioned the other day, some people say, had they accepted the king and his kingdom, um, the, the tribulation, excuse me, may have been um, conditional. I, I don't believe that. I just, I just don't see that. I'll, I'll keep studying that. Uh, but notice verse 53, who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. In other words, even though God and the heavenly host gave you the law, you still didn't keep it. I mean, it, would, it was handed to you on a silver platter by the heavenly host themselves. Again, nothing but condemnation, and they lost it. <clears throat> In verse 54, And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. 
As a result of Stephen's word, they became, as Albert Barnes puts it, enraged and indignant. You know, some people will say they were, when it talks about they were cut to the heart, they were convicted. I, I don't think that's what that's saying. Um, they became enraged and indignant as a result. Now, I do believe people today, <clears throat> if they do not respond to conviction, it can turn into rage and indignancy. And that may be what happened. But I think the focus of the words there is they became angry, uh, right, filled with righteous indignation. You see, religion always produces a fleshly response. Being around religious people is one of the hardest things in the world for a spiritual person to do. Uh, because religious people aren't spiritual. They keep the rules. They check the boxes. It's, it's good versus bad. It's have I done this today? Do I need to do this today? Everything is not out of guilt and out of conviction, but out of guilt. It's out of a sense of self-righteousness. You know, someone said to me, a college kid said to me, I, I don't feel righteous. I said, good, you're not. Um, the whole doctrine of the imputation of righteousness means you are not righteous. Jesus is righteous. The righteousness that I have is Jesus. He is my righteousness. I am not righteous. If I was righteous, I wouldn't need him. <laughs> That's what the imputation of righteousness is. Religion always produces a fleshly response. And understand, these had rejected the king and his kingdom. There was nothing spiritual about them. Therefore, they responded in the flesh. And, and notice uh, verse, uh, and of course, I'm sure you've been around people that have responded in the flesh. But he, in verse 55, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly in heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand. Now notice that this verse clearly shows the Trinity. And he being full of the Holy Ghost looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We as a people are Trinitarian. We believe in one God, um, but we believe in one God, you could say, but three persons, three being one. That's what the word, that's what the word Trinity means. There are a lot of people today that are not Trinitarians. Um, some very famous people. Um, I, I was not really aware of this until I lived in Guatemala. Uh, there are whole denominations interestingly enough, charismatic denominations um, who are non-Trinitarian. Uh, they don't believe that God is Jesus and that Jesus is the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in one God and three manifestations. They believe in three separate. Um, and the, the strange thing is the majority of these, outside of the cults, you know, such as Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, but on the, quote, Christian side, or in the charismatic realm, um, there was a group in Guatemala called Amigos. Um, and there are apostolics in our day um, who are non-Trinitarian. T.D. Jakes, for example, very popular, is not a Trinitarian. 
Um, so in these, I mean, the Trinity is found in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God. I mean, it. You know, Genesis chapter number one. Just read that. Uh, he made us in His image. I am Dwayne the mind, Dwayne the body, Dwayne the spirit. I'm made in the image of God. Three yet being one. You know, just not that hard. So, well, it looks like our time has expired. 15 minutes. I appreciate you, Katrina. Hope you enjoyed the message and I hope you're doing well. I'm going to do this every morning, Monday through Friday, uh, beginning at 9. Um, and then on Sunday, I'll just do, if you will, a survey or an encapsulation or all of it together in one message. So um, anyway, hope you enjoy these things and I hope that you have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.